On today's Locked on Jayhawks, we preview the Kansas Duke game. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me as well on Rock Chalk Sports Talk, Mondays through Fridays from 3 to 6 on KLWN in Lawrence. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. On today's edition of Locked on Jayhawks, we preview the Kansas Duke game. So what do we know about Duke? Well, first of all, their head coach, Mike Elko, is the former defensive coordinator, I guess was, at Texas A&M. And interestingly enough, he was listed as someone who was, I guess, a finalist or however you want to put it for the job when Travis Goff hired Lance Leipold. I think pretty notoriously it was Leipold and Jeff Munkin who were like the top two candidates that it seemed like it would be one of them. But I guess the the quote-unquote other candidates, it was like Skip Holtz at Louisiana Tech, which good thing that didn't happen because he got fired a year later from Louisiana Tech. Mike Elko was on the list because it was kind of this idea of, oh, he could be this next like up-and-coming head coach with how good of defenses he's provided at Texas A&M. So fast forward a year, he gets the Duke job. And that makes this game even a little bit more interesting too, right? Because you have a guy that technically you passed up on to hire someone else and if he comes into your place when you're looking like a pretty good team, and Duke's been good so far, 3-0, then it's going to feel like, shoot, you know, you wouldn't go as far to say, did we make the wrong call? Because it's a one-game sample, and I think pretty clearly everyone is more than astoundingly happy with Lance Leipold. But it would definitely make you feel like, man, I guess we missed out on, on that. That's a little bit unfortunate, even though, again, I still go with Lance Leipold 100 times out of 100 over Mike Elko. I'll be interested to see how the crowd affects this game uh, for KU. It's going to be a massive crowd. I think it's going to be a sellout in this game, and it's not like in the 2019 Kansas-Kansas State game where I don't remember if they officially said that was a sellout or not, but it was darn near close. There were a lot of K-State fans in the football stadium. I wouldn't go as far to say that there were more K-State fans than KU fans. I know some K-State people like to kind of say that, and I, I wouldn't go that far. They certainly contributed a good amount to getting that stadium, if not full, pretty darn close to it. I think this one's going to be pretty much a majority of KU, and it's going to be full on their own accord. And I think the environment is going to be absolutely fantastic. And I think it's going to be, for the first time in a while, unless you ask David Beatty, if you know, you know, a very serious home field advantage for KU in this game that I am super excited to see what it looks like, to see what it sounds like, in this game. But it's just it's tough to figure out how good this Duke team is because they are 3 and 0. They've passed every test so far. They haven't really been I don't know, super challenged in a way where it's like they had to win some game off a some fluke or something. Like the Northwestern game was close, but they were pretty clearly I think the the better team there and had managed themselves to a good lead in that game. Average score of their games is 37-14, to 14, so they haven't really shown any cracks on either side of the ball. Like They've been good on offense. They've been good on defense. The one mystery here is how real is this 3-0, and though? And it's not because of weird games, weird flukes, things like that. It's because their three wins are against Temple, Northwestern, and North Carolina A&T. And just to dive into those teams real quick that they beat. Temple is a team that was, before the season, being predicted by many different prognosticators to be a two- or three-win team at the AAC. And Temple right now is only one and two, with Temple's only win coming over an FCS opponent. They didn't really learn a lot by Duke beating up on Temple. 
Northwestern is a one and two team. And when Duke beat Northwestern, it did seem like, okay, maybe there's something here because Northwestern beats Nebraska. And even though Nebraska, like, clearly they've since fired Scott Frost, coming into the year it was, okay, maybe this is a bowl team, right? So if Northwestern beat them, maybe that means Northwestern is a bowl team. And that's the kind of tier Kansas is trying to get on. So if they beat a bowl team, that could be pretty good there. Well, we've since found out Nebraska is just not very good. And also we've kind of since found out Northwestern's not very good. Northwestern, outside of the Nebraska win, has the Duke loss. And most recently, last week, Northwestern just lost to Southern Illinois. Albeit Southern Illinois was a preseason top 10 FCS team, but like, that's not a super impressive resume mark that Duke beat Northwestern now. And then the most recent game for Duke was against North Carolina A&T, who is an 0-3 squad in the FCS. We haven't really learned much about Duke, despite them being 3-0. and Maybe they are legit, maybe they are real to what the record is, to what the points per game, points allowed, and some of the stats that they have. It also could just be that there's not much we can take from those first three games. Like, looking back to the KU-Tennessee Tech game, there are certain things where you can say, okay, well, that did carry over, and they've shown that in the other games. There are other things that you could say, yeah, there was also a terrible opponent, and there are certain things that maybe they look dominant at in that game that hasn't totally carried over to every game. Like, for instance, the pass rush was unstoppable against Tennessee Tech. West Virginia game, it was non-existent. Houston game, it was there, but a lot of it came on late in the game. You pin your ears back, or Clayton Toots scrambling around for a little bit longer. Nobody's getting open, then he gets sacked. That wasn't everything. I'm just saying it wasn't as dominant as the first game. So it's, it's hard to get full takeaways on what this Duke team is. What we do know, at least they want to be, and you kept hearing the cue words of disciplined. You kept hearing... Uh, how how fundamentally based kind of those types of terms that Duke is all week long in press conferences with the coaches, with the coordinators, with the players. That means that you can take it two ways, right? A lot of times we use those terms on teams who aren't that athletic, but it's like, yeah, but they're pretty good. They're not that athletic. They just must be disciplined and well-coached, right? It kind of becomes this cliche. In their case, though, they are 3-0, and and with the new coach in there, like, they, they kind of have been. And that's been Duke's M.O. when they have been good over the last decade. Like, those are verbs that you would use to describe them. But they have a pal- balanced offense. They have a good running game. They are seventh right now in the country in yards per play. So they have been elite offensively so far. Again, though, how do you pair that given the opposition they've been playing against? It's harder to determine how good the offense is. 18th in yards per rush, 8th in yards per pass right now. We saw them go for over 50 last year against Kansas. The quarterback from last year, Gunnar Holmberg, he's gone. The top receiver, Jake Bobo, he transferred out. The top running back, Mateo Durant, who ran for over 1,200 yards. He's gone as well. So, like, they lose their kind of three-headed monster there. But what they brought back is a veteran offensive line. They've got just kind of a stable of backs that they rotate through. The quarterback, Riley Leonard, hasn't really had to be tested, but he's been a good dual-threat quarterback. So we'll see what it looks like against Kansas. But they're averaging over 200 yards rushing. They're averaging over 200 yards passing right now. They're kind of similar to KU in that they are this like well-coached team that likes to be balanced on kind of both ends and does have a dual-threat quarterback. I think, though, even though you look at Duke and they're, they're eighth in the country in yards per pass right now at 10.5, if Kansas can force Leonard to be in more passing situations, I think you'll like where you're at for KU. Duke, though, does have a strong and balanced receiving core so far. They have four guys over 100 yards that are under 200, so all on pace to put up 
solid numbers over the course of this season without maybe one true breakout guy. And that is going to stress the KU defense in terms of showing off their depth. But we know this KU defense has a lot more depth. When you look at the Duke defense, they are 24th in the country in yards allowed per game, 9th in rush yards allowed per attempt. So they've been really good against the run, which will make this obviously quite the matchup. They're 35th in yards allowed per pass. And that makes sense. They brought back a very inexperienced back end, a very inexperienced safety. And then the front seven returned a lot. They have struggled with some of their tackling grades, with their pass rush grades. Overall, it's, again, tough to figure out, though, based on the schedule. Because if they are ranking 24th in yards allowed per play, but they've played one of the worst FBS teams, they've played one of the worst Power 5 teams, they've played one of the worst FCS teams, does that equate to being top 50 in that metric? Does it equate to being top 80 in that metric? If you were playing a more reasonable schedule, I don't totally know. We're going to talk about some of the matchups that are interesting in this game and maybe somebody who could uh, feast in this game for KU in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up college football season. You can get started, and it's so easy to navigate. You can do pick'ems. You can do over-unders on everything. You can do draft where it's simply a like one-game draft against someone or if you're doing NFL, like a slate of the morning games or the full day of something like that. It's just super easy to play, super easy to draft. You can win cold, hard cash in a single game. They have investment backing from Mark Cuban, Kevin Durant, Adam Schefter, and more, so you know it's reputable. Sign up with promo code Locked On, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Deposit $100, get $100 free. Go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store, Google Play Store. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code Locked On. Get in on the college football pick'em action today. Coming up on Monday's show, we will recap whatever happens in the Kansas-Duke game. So what are some matchups that are going to be super intriguing in this one? I talked about the, the Duke receiving core. Yeah, you have four guys over 100 yards, under 200. So that basically means they have four guys who are on pace to have somewhere between 200 and 800 or 400 and 800 receiving yards. It's a balanced receiving core right now, and the quarterback has done a good job of kind of mixing and matching around. Like, these teams are very similar. We keep mentioning a lot of these things, like, oh, the balanced receiving core, but maybe not that one true star receiver. That's Kansas. Quarterback who's a dual threat. That's Kansas as well. Veteran offensive line that returned a lot from last year. That's kind of Kansas as well, right? Uh, Well-coached and disciplined. Like, all these things are very similar between the two teams. So this isn't just about Kobe Bryant and Romello Dotson, who Dotson talked about earlier on the episode with Scott Chasen for underrated MVPs. has been really good. Obviously, Kobe Bryant with the pick six to win it against West Virginia. It's, it's about everyone. So Craig Young needs to continually do good in the slot and against the run. Like, he's a guy they didn't have in that Duke game when Duke put up over 50 last year against Kansas, and that's a pretty big difference to have last year. Uh, Brian Borland talked earlier this week how he pretty much blanketed the slot receiver for Houston in last week's game. Like, the ability to have that versatile of a player just is going to help so darn much. But it's it's really the whole depth here, because you're going to have to play, if Duke is hitting all these different receivers, that means you're going to be in situations where you're going to be using all these different defensive backs. So it's not just about the starters, it's about the depth. Kalon Gervin. The safeties, whether it's O.J. Burroughs, Marvin Grant, like this is very much a group effort. It's not just a, hey, can you try to stop this one guy? Like That was kind of West Virginia, right? That was a little bit of Houston with Nathaniel Dell. This one is more kind of a balance attack, so everybody has to be on their game. 
KU secondary versus the Duke receiver core is certainly interesting. And how about this? Uh, the KU defense it hasn't always been the secondary, like Eric Gilliard had one in week two, but um, or, or week one. KU has an interception in six straight games. So we'll see if that number can continue and if they continue to rack up turnovers on that end and hold on to the ball on their own end, you're going to feel pretty good. The KU running game against the Duke front seven will decide how effective the KU offense is in this game. Right now, Duke has been pretty strong against the run. Shaka Hayward is a really good linebacker for them. They returned a lot on the front seven, and they're giving up just 2.2 yards per carry. That doesn't make you feel super confident that this is going to be another one of those games like Houston or West Virginia where you ran for over 200 yards. In fact, Duke held Northwestern, who really wants to run the ball, to 34 carries for 76 yards, and that goes right in line with their season average of 2.2 yards per pop. If you're looking for more positivity, though, it's not just that Duke hasn't played a great schedule so far and Northwestern doesn't have a great offensive line. It's that last week against North Carolina A&T, again, that's an 0-3 FCS team, and North Carolina A&T, I think you could probably say runs a little bit more similar of a rushing attack than what Northwestern does, where Northwestern might be more, I don't know, pro-heavy, like between the gaps and running out of shotgun, things like that, um, not like in a you know triple option type of way. North Carolina A&T ran for 217 yards on 5.3 yards per carry. Maybe they found something that works, and maybe KU can replicate that, except with a better rushing attack and better athletes, better running backs. In terms of individual matchup, I'm keeping an eye on the most, though. It's Lonnie Phelps versus Graham Barton. So Phelps, as the defensive end for Kansas, Graham Barton is the starting left tackle for Duke. And he has graded out great. He was a veteran coming back from last year. Um, He has Duke's best offensive grade on Pro Football Focus. He's graded out as an 83, and he has a 91.3 pass-blocking grade this season, which is one of the most elite numbers in the country. Again, based on schedule, Lonnie Phelps, I would imagine, is going to be the best defensive end that he's going to face. And if you're Lonnie Phelps on the flip side, you got brought into Kansas making that move up from the MAC. You wanted to make that move forward into Power 5 football to show what you could do against big opponents. Didn't have a ton in the West Virginia game, against Houston, you played a big role in KU's pass rush being there. So he's going to have quite the matchup because in this one, he is going to be matched up with someone who is a legit tackle. But if you have pro aspirations, if you want to be all-conference at the Power 5 level like you were in the MAC level, I know this isn't a Big 12 game, but this is the type of matchup to where you're saying, hey, they, the, the strength of their team is matched up against me. That's great because now I can put on a show. Now I can show people who I really am. And if I take out their strength... That's going to make it a lot harder for them to be successful. As far as a player that can feast in this matchup, though, he's kind of feasted in every game, so this isn't anything crazy. Jalen Daniels, because when I look at this Duke defense, I see the the ability that they've stopped the run really well so far. So automatically, you're pointing to something where it's like, hey, KU might have to rely on the pass a little bit more in this game than they did against Houston, for instance. Duke hasn't really faced a good quarterback yet, And that secondary still is inexperienced. Like, when you look at the numbers, that has been their bigger weakness so far, even though the numbers still do look good overall because of the schedule they've played. But the secondary is inexperienced. They've showed it a little bit over the course of this season. Ryan Helinski is probably the best quarterback they've faced. He threw it a lot, 60 times in that game because Northwestern was trying to come back. 
He threw it 60 times for 435 yards and two scores. But honestly, I just kind of want to throw anything out the window because it's just impossible to tell based on this schedule. I think Jalen's going to have a really good opportunity against kind of a green secondary for Duke. And if the defense is queuing in on the run and loading up the box and basically telling Kansas, we're going to make you beat us with the pass, I think Jalen can. And I think he very well could have a very big game in this one uh, where maybe he does throw for... Like, I don't think Jalen's ever thrown for 300 yards in a game. I could be wrong on that, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is the one where he gets pretty darn close to doing it. In just a moment, we're going to get into our Bet Online segment of the week. That coming up on Locked on Jayhawks. Kansas, by the way, is down to, or up to, I don't know how you would frame it, 50-1, to 5-0-1 to one odds to win the Big 12. At the start of the season, they were going off somewhere around 250-300-1. to one. Then after the West Virginia win, it got cut up to 125 to 1. After the Houston win, they are now 50 to 1. So they continue to soar up the Big 12 opportunity to, to win the Big 12 or the odds, whatever you want to call it. Um, but the big news there, it's not just that they're 50 to 1. They have now passed two teams on the odds list. Texas Tech, West Virginia are both 100 to 1. So KU right now is essentially being picked to finish eighth in the Big 12. Would you take the over under on that? I don't know, push could be likely. If you think they're going to beat Texas Tech, you have to take the over there. If you think they're going bowling, then you're looking at either three or four conference wins. That puts you kind of in the range of being like 7th or 8th or something in the Big 12. I think that's about right for the moment, but if Kansas State continues to struggle, who's 7th on those odds, and Kansas looks good again this week against Duke, maybe I'll reconsider and I'll have them in the top 7 as opposed to the top 8. By the way, if you're looking for someone to bet on this, I still do like Iowa State. They were like 18-1, to 22-1 to 1 in that range at different points, either at the beginning of the year or before the season started. They're 14-1, to 1, so you can still get good odds there. They're about to start up October when Matt Campbell's been really good, and they're actually favored this week against Baylor. That tells you what Vegas thinks about this team. I wouldn't be surprised if it's like Iowa State versus Oklahoma rematch of the Big 12 title from a couple years ago. I don't think that's a bad bet just in terms of the odds, even though it might not be my straight-up pick. So Kansas is down to minus 7.5 against Duke on Bet Online. It opened up around 9 points. The money has been coming in on Duke, and I think that's right. The 9 felt a little large to me. As we've been going through all this preview, it just seems like the teams are so similar there. At 7.5, though, I think I like Kansas. I'm going to officially take Kansas minus the 7.5 against Duke. They still might cover the 8.5 or the 9 if you got it there earlier this week, but I always thought the line should have been closer to what it is now than what it is that it opened up. The over-under is 66. That's one that I'm just avoiding. That's a very high number. So far, the KU offense has been pretty unstoppable, and they would make you think, well, of course, you know, they're going to score 42 points in this game, and uh, if that happens, you know, all Duke has to do is score 25 or more, and with the KU defense struggling early in games, That should be an opportunity for Duke to do just that. They just put up over 50 on Kansas last year. I wouldn't be surprised because think about this. From the KU defense perspective, they're a strong start in the West Virginia or the Houston game away from having a game where they held the opponent maybe to to 20 points or, or under 20 points or something, right? So if they have a better start, and that was something I asked Brian Borland about this week, like are you just making adjustments? Is it just not executing right off the bat? And he said, yeah, it's just not executing right. So that's not something where it's just, hey, they, they've been elite at adjusting and it just takes them some time and then they figure out the adjustments and they clamp down. No, 
Like, they're doing the same stuff they're doing at the beginning of the game. They're just doing it better. So there's no reason the Kansas defense couldn't just start better if it's just based on execution. And if they do that, maybe Duke gets held down to, to 21 points or something. And maybe Duke's defense with a head coach who was a former renowned defensive coordinator at Texas A&M figures out a way to hold this KU offense to 24 points, to 28 points. I, I almost feel like I'm talking into myself of taking the under on 66. And to be honest, I think that's my, that might be where I lean, even as crazy as that sounds, as great as Jalen Daniels and this offense has been. That would be where I would lean, but I still don't feel great about it one way or another. So avoid the over-under. I would be taking KU minus 7.5 right now, thanks to our odds with Bet Online. Coming up on Monday's show, we are going to recap whatever happens in the Kansas-Duke game. If you have anything you'd like for the show to talk about, want to ask a question or follow along in the action, you can reach out to me at Radio on Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe to the show so you're getting all the latest with Locked on Jayhawks. That'll do it for today's episode. Have a good rest of your day. I'll see some of you on Rock Chalk Sports Talk to continue the KU-Duke talk later today. Adios.